Welcome everyone listening in to From Our Vantage Point, Vantage Point's podcast recorded on the unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and tsleil First Nations, where we talk all things nonprofit related. I am Zara Ismail, the Chief Executive Officer at Vantage Point, and today, From Our Vantage Point's host. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. This afternoon, we are joined by Parliamentary Secretary for Community Development and Nonprofits, Megan Dykeman. Megan was elected MLA for Langley East in the 2020 general election. Megan is deeply connected to her community of Langley, where she has worked as a small business owner and farmer, taken on many public service roles, and is raising her two children. Before being elected to the provincial office, she served as chair of the Langley Board of Education. First elected in 2011, she served three terms as a trustee with the board, working hard to make public education in Langley better for kids and families. Megan holds a Master's in International Relations from Macquarie University in Sydney, Australia, where her research focused on food security. She has also completed a Certificate in Negotiation and Leadership at Harvard Law School. We are very grateful to have her join us today. We are also joined today by Prairie Chu, Vantage Point's brand new Director of Engagement and Advocacy. After working in community-based organizations for many years, Prairie felt compelled to impact systemic change and transitioned into project management and public health administrative roles. Before coming to Vantage Point, Prairie managed provincial overdose prevention and response granting networks and capacity building projects at Community Initiative and led diversity, equity and inclusion efforts at Navos Mental Health. A recent graduate of the United Way Public Policy Institute, Prairie has advocated for continued funding and support of innovative community-driven initiatives, engaging with people with lived experience and living experience, community leaders and government stakeholders. Prairie received her Master of Social Work degree from Smith College School for Social Work in Northampton, Massachusetts. We are thrilled to have Prairie as a key member of the Vantage Point team. Hello, everyone, and welcome Parliamentary Secretary Megan Dykeman and Prairie Chu to From Our Vantage Point. Thank you for joining us. P.S. Dykeman, I wanted to start engaging you in conversation for this podcast. Can you tell us, how did you come to work in government? Oh, thank you. And thank you so much for the invitation today. I, I always enjoy connecting with you and your incredible organization, uh, the work you do in advocacy and, and helping nonprofits build capacity is, is so commendable. And it, it always is a, a real honor to get to sit down and chat with you. So thank you so much for the invitation today. That, uh, that question is so interesting. Sort of how did I kind of get into politics? I, I was always a wee bit of a reluctant politician. I'm, I'm actually joining you today um, from my home on, on my, poultry farm, which uh, is in Langley on the traditional territories of the Kwantlen, Kitsi, Natsuki, and Semiyamu nations. And, and I had the privilege, my children are adults now, to live in the township of Langley, raise my my children here. One of them's off at university in England. The other one is in third year here locally. And um, my community means so much to me. And uh, I really, really just enjoyed farming and being a volunteer in my community. But I remember getting very, very upset. It's just some decisions that were being made at the local level and uh, talking to my father about it uh, one day at the dinner table, he kind of looked at me and said, well, you haven't earned your right to complain, Megan. I said, okay, well, I'm going to run in the election. I'll lose, but I will have the right. 
that was four elections ago. <laughs> so I've had three locally um, and, and serving as a trustee, as you mentioned in the intro, and, and one is MLA. Um, you know, areas that I'm super passionate about, as you can tell from my master's work, is agriculture, also being a farmer. Um, I My undergraduate degree, so is actually in governance, law and management, and I worked quite a bit with boards and board governance and had the privilege of serving as the um, president of the um, National Parliamentarians Association. And so I have a little bit of a background and a passion for the work that you do. So um, that area, like getting to serve in this nonprofit role has been such an incredible honor. And um, trade and education and all of those things are passions which really fall squarely in, in a provincial level, which is how I kind of rolled into um, this. Uh, it really, it really just is an honor though. Like I get to serve a, a community that I've, I've been in for so long in a province that I adore. Um, so really what my focus will always be, the legacy I always want to be, leave behind is that, you know, I worked as hard as I could to make the province a better place, a more equitable, fairer place with more opportunity for people to um, get to live in this incredible area and, and have it, you know, a strong economy that also doesn't sacrifice bettering the people, the social indicators that we, we know um, equate to success. So being part of that and part of a government that cares about people, but also knows that we live in a pretty amazing province that has lots of opportunity. Beautiful. I mean, your passion just comes tr through so easily when I'm listening to you speak. And I often think about how difficult it is to be a politician, especially these days when there's so many opinions and, you know, there's, I can't go in, onto social media and leave feeling very good after reading comments. It can be pretty tough. And so um, it, your passion must carry you forward um, and your, your commitment to building better communities must carry you through those, those dark moments. So thank you for doing the challenging work that you do. Um, yeah, on all of our behalves. I'd love to now um, give welcome Prairie to Vantage Point and to the podcast. Um, Prairie, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what it is that drew you to this position and also what you hope to contribute in your new role? Thank you, Zara. I'm so thrilled and honored to be here um, and to have this opportunity uh, to be a part of the innovative and impactful work that Vantage Point is doing to uplift our nonprofit sector in BC. Um, what drew me to this position was really the chance to support nonprofit organizations to come together as a unified voice in BC. Um, myself, I immigrated to Vancouver as an infant, and uh, my family and I really have fond uh, memories relying on nonprofits as we really adapted and acculturated to life in Canada uh, from the volunteers that helped us bridge the language uh, divide that we first experienced um, in, in our early years to uh, later years when my brother and I um, spent uh, at many community-based organization programs um, just uh, as our parents were working full-time jobs to get our family uh, basic needs met. So, you know, the nonprofit sector is really dear to my heart and, you know, sort of where I definitely feel uh, my passion lies. Um, I really hope that, uh, that I, I do this role justice. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, thank you, Prairie. You've been with us here now, I think, for 10 days, and um, I'm already <laughs> feeling your impact. So, uh, yeah, thank you so much for taking on this challenge with us. Um, so back over to you, P.S. Dykeman, or um, can I call you Megan? Let's, yeah, okay. <laughs> so in the work that you do in your role, uh, what are some examples of innovative community-based solutions that you've seen recently in your work? I think it's, you're so, it's so uniquely placed to learn about our sector in such depth. So um, yeah, what's the innovation that you can share with us today? Oh, there is so much innovation. We have in British Columbia, incredible nonprofits. And nonprofits is such a wide category if you think about the areas they serve and the work that they do and the structures that, that we see um, that form sort of the umbrella of, of nonprofits. Two that I think um, I used to illustrate a little bit are related to the social economy, which we know is a, a big thing that, for instance, the OECD is talking about these days. And, and we've seen fill gaps during very difficult times because around the world, um, we've seen a, a major shift in um, challenges that, that, that people are facing and communities are facing, countries, provinces. So there's, there's a lot of belief and a lot of examples of the social economy really filling many of um, those, those gaps. And we have a couple really neat examples here in British Columbia. I, I had the opportunity to um, tour one in um, Abbotsford called um, the Gathering Market. And uh, it is a really neat not-for-profit um, grocery market. And I know there are other ones in BC, but this is just one when you asked that question that made me think about the place that nonprofits fill. And what's really unique about that is when you think about food banks, they're very much about a place that provides uh, food to people, but not everybody is in a position where they necessarily would identify as needing to go to a food bank, but they, they might be struggling with food insecurity um, because we've seen the cost of food dramatically rise. And, and this organization really does a lot of really neat work in, in sort of the social piece of food security. We know that people who ch have challenges feeding their family feel socially ostracized. There's that dignity piece. And, and they actually set up a whole grocery store with meal kits. And they go there and shop with their kids and pay. Uh, for the food, um, but it's it's at um, essentially a subsidized rate because of the way this nonprofit works. So it builds community, builds um, an opportunity for um, families to come together and buy healthy food and, and build um, their built-in kits and, and, and really draws in that whole social part that quite frankly, we underestimate the importance of when it comes to food security with families. Um, often we don't think about those pieces. So I really appreciated um, the work that organization's doing. So that is a really unique um, nonprofit innovative solution to a challenge that uh, of an often unfilled area when we think of food insecurity. The other one is uh, Solid State, which is a co-op in Surrey. And um, it is a really neat um, organization that um, sort of refers to their mission related to the solidarity economy and um, works very much to address some um, uh, challenges faced by uh, racialized communities and um, harnesses the power of co-ops um, to build uh, sort of the social, but also the economic piece in a supportive environment to help businesses, um, off, mostly youth under the age of 35, 
uh, come out and, and have really innovative businesses. And we, we've seen so many fantastic um, organizations that have, have been birthed out of solid state and, and the intersecting challenges that they um, tackle in that environment and the way that they do it, you know, building um, a place with a giant table where everybody eats lunch together and building community, building a safe space, building a place where inspiration is nurtured is very cool. And so, so those are two that I think are, are really stand out in, in tours that I've done. There are thousands. I could do like <laughs> a podcast on the innovation, but I figured I'd focus on that very small amount of the social economy, one segment that nonprofits really do a great job of um, addressing. Amazing. Thank you so much, Megan. I know it was a bit of an unfair question because how do you pick? But <laughs> I appreciate those stories and I think that they'll resonate with our listeners because there is so much beauty and creativity that comes from the sector. And uh, the common theme that I pulled out for both of the stories that you shared was uh, dignity, opportunity and community, right? Bringing people together where they can tap into their full potential and um and contribute. And that's beautiful. I don't know if I've ever shared with you, but um, I have a bit of a background in microfinance, uh, focused in, oh. in rural South Asia and other areas. It's what I studied um, in my master's research. And so whenever I hear particularly your second example, it just, oh, warm my heart, makes me, makes me feel so excited. <laughs> it is great. It is great. We often, um, I think, separate nonprofits from the economy. Mm-hmm. But I think that that is so short-sighted and, and, and concerning because nonprofits fill many roles in ensuring our economy can grow, our economy mm-hmm. can be robust. Because, you know, there when you have large groups of populations that aren't able to fully participate in the economy or aren't, aren't supported, that, that has a negative effect. But also um, nonprofits are uniquely positioned to be incubators for for really um, unique sectors to grow that otherwise um, a purely for-profit model wouldn't take the risk on. Mm-hmm. It, it is a piece that I think sometimes is is forgotten. We we know about the important social roles. I mean, those they're yeah. those are boundless. But sometimes we don't remember how important the economic side is too. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for mentioning that. It is such an important point. And I think, um, you know, our nonprofit staff people, I've been in that role many, many times, I still am. We're so lucky that we get to be so close to community and take the ideas that are coming from from regular everyday people, and then uh, see if those can emerge into programs that can make a big impact difference. And so, yeah, there's there's some real beauty in the innovation side of things. So now looking forward a little bit, uh, Megan, what do you expect to see for the nonprofit community in 2024? And um, related to that, what do you think partnership with government will look like in the year ahead? Oh, yeah. I think 2024 is going to be a a really great year. Um, As you know, last year, we had our announcement um, related to the $60 million for, for sort of two distinct groups of nonprofits. And uh, as you know, those open up this year. Um, the, the, <laughs> yes, the Community Prosperity Fund. Um, and we know that um, that opens February 2024. And uh, we did, I know we'll touch on this a little bit later too, but the uh, day of recognition for nonprofits, um, you know, with proclamation, um, which really was about uh, recognizing important relationship that nonprofits play. 
um, in, in our province. I think what we're going to see is, um, you know, each year we're, we have moved away from the pandemic, um, has given organizations that really, really struggled during, during those challenges, um, an opportunity to rebuild capacity and, um, continue to grow, um, in, in the areas that they serve. I think with um, some of the announcements we made recently for both Lighthouse and community organizations, um, there's an opportunity um, for those organizations to uh, sort of have stable funding and continue to um, do the important work that they do serving vulnerable communities. I think that we will see, unfortunately, some more reliance, though, too, on nonprofits with with continuing challenges related to food security and affordability. Mm-hmm. But I think that um, 2024 is going to be all about continuing to um, work together and, and expand the relationships that we have with nonprofits, because I think both government and um, the community at large sees the important role nonprofits play. So I think although there's, there's going to be continuation of, of a, a real need, or for the important work nonprofits do serving vulnerable populations, I think there's also some real opportunities that are going to be there for nonprofits to take center stage even mm-hmm. even more. Part of the reason why I use the social economy example um, for for the nonprofits, those two examples, is I think that there's going to be a growth in that area too, because globally you're seeing more call for social enterprise to fill fill gaps. So that's my predictions but you know take them as predictions i I love that and we can touch base at the end of the year and see how we fared and if your crystal ball um (laughs) visions were were accurate um i i do think that um our sector can there's opportunity for us to tell our story better and help people understand a little bit more um how we work um, how complex it is, the way that we work, and uh, and what a stronger partnership can do to strengthen community. A stronger partnership, I mean, between the sector and um, the provincial government, between the sector and local municipalities, between the sector and neighbours and community members. I think if... Um, if we can tap into some of the uh, contributions that our, our sector makes in a way that is um, clearer and more compelling, I think more people will understand and be motivated to be volunteers as well as as contributors with um, donations and other things. Um, volunteerism has, has dipped a little bit post-pandemic, and I think... Um, our ability to mobilize community has always been one of the great strengths of the sector. So I do hope that that's one of my predictions, I guess, for 2024. I hope we'll see some of our volunteers return to us and uh, really feel feel the value of being involved in the sector. From Our Vantage Point is brought to you by Humanity Financial Management, a chartered professional accounting firm dedicated to supporting Canadian nation builders and movement makers in social sector organizations, social purpose businesses, and Indigenous communities and organizations. The humanitarians on our team work with our client partners to shift the balance of power through finance in advance of our shared goals, to transform this land into the most environmentally, socially, and economically equitable place on earth. Visit Humanity Financial Management online at humanityfinancial.ca. 
So Megan, you touched on uh, the BC Nonprofit Day, which was proclaimed on November 30th. So thank you so much for that. I know it meant a lot to um, to the people who, who heard that proclamation and saw that our sector was being valued and recognized. So um, from your perspective, what does the proclamation mean for nonprofits? And um, how how is it perceived by government? Um, and do you feel that there's extra impact or opportunities that a proclamation like this for our sector can provide? That's a great question. I think that um, you know the the three things that that I heard I've heard in my my role serving as, as parliamentary secretary were many of the things we've already touched on. So I've I've heard firstly capacity is a serious challenge. You know, I mean whether it's volunteers. Um, uh, staff maintaining, um, uh, you know, employees in, in the sector, um, whether it's regulatory challenges, like, you know, paperwork, like the capacity is an issue. I've heard um, that, uh, you know, sort of the breadth and depth of work has been a challenge too. Like we, we really are expected to do so much more with so much less. And um, although this related capacity is, it's just a little bit different in that capacity lens. And um, that um, stability is a challenge too. So you talk about stable, uh, predictable funding received from the government, um, whether it's, um, you know, shifting, shifting needs, like stability is something that nonprofits very much have, have, have seen in um, as a challenge, of course. Um, and then thirdly was recognition of the important role that nonprofits play. I mean, you know, and we did, and I know I've brought the pandemic up before, and, and I just brought it up earlier with this other question. Um, but the reason why I use it as an example, because I think it really was, although everybody knew nonprofits were important, I don't think people understood how much work nonprofits do until a lot of work had to be picked up by nonprofits. And that was the only place maybe you could receive a service during that time. Um, and also the wide range of people that are not only employed, but served by nonprofits really was illustrated during that time. So I know for government, when I, when I was having those conversations, I know in, with your advocacy, one of the things that, that was coming up was how do we demonstrate to nonprofits that we understand how important the work that they're doing is and, and to ensure that in a very public and very, um, you know, formal way, we, we, we provide the recognition of that work. I think that um, although the proclamation is important, I think the most important thing that that should really um, help nonprofits understand how important this this role, how important their role is, is just merely the development of the parliamentary secretary role mm-hmm. I was given. So the proclamation is 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 important. I don't want to downplay it, but it's not any one piece. I think that. Um, really demonstrates the um, recognition from government. It's all of the pieces, the funding, the renewal of funding, the multi-year funding, the, we heard you, these three areas were important and we've, we've delivered a few times mm-hmm. now in all three of these areas. And you have a role and a voice, which is within government that is working to address those challenges, multi-ministry. So I think what we'll, you can sort of anticipate seeing um, coming next year is a continuation of that, that recognition and a continuation of the conversations. Like when we had that roundtable on, on the proclamation day, one of the things that we committed to was that it was not a final conversation. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a conversation 
we've been having conversations since the role was, was um, uh, sort of developed, but that round table and, and that multi-party conversation, we're going to continue to have those and continue to figure out what we can do. We have lots of things on the horizon, like we're looking at um, ways that we can continue to um, make things easier and make things um, more streamlined for nonprofits. Thank you so much, Megan. I mean, I, I can only speak on my own behalf, but I know as somebody, like I said, who's grown up in the nonprofit sector, I've always worked in the sector. Um, the relationship has felt a lot more open and a lot more partnership-based since the parliamentary secretary role was created. And um, I have the privilege of being involved in a lot of uh, provincial conversations, national conversations with other folks. And um, there's a lot of eyes on BC because this is fairly innovative. It's a it's a new uh, role that a lot of other provinces or even at the national level, there's advocacy going on to create that home in government. Um, and so BC is being looked at as, um, as a a trendsetter, for lack of a better phrase. And of course, there's there's learnings, there's lessons. Um, but I think we hopefully will continue to deepen this partnership and understand how we can really appre- approach the relationship as one that's mutually rooted in community benefit, right? That's our, our goals are very much the same. So that uh, I'm excited to see how things are going to go. And the recognition definitely meant a lot to many, many people in the sector. It was a great day and, and it really is like, you know, just um, commenting on your comment about all eyes are sort of on mm-hmm. BC, very much internationally. I mean, we were, um, I had the absolute distinct honor of being able to go to the OECD in, in France and we were looked at as a province like, wow, you have someone in government um, who is who is playing that role. And there was so many places uh, from around the world, that uh, representatives from around the world that wanted to have the conversation about what that looked like, how did it work, how are we working with nonprofits, what type of programs are we delivering? So we are a lighthouse. We also know that we can we can continue to grow this relationship and build these opportunities. So when you sort of ask like, what are the opportunities next year? I would love to hear from you and other folks. What are the opportunities? What 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 do we what do we need to tackle? So that's the conversation I want to have is how can we take what we've accomplished, celebrate mm-hmm. those, but what, what's next? What do we want to do next? What what conversations do we want to have? What's worked? What can we improve on? So I think the opportunities are endless. Amazing. Amazing. I love that. And that's actually a perfect segue for the next question I have here, which is for Prairie. As I mentioned, and many people are aware, Vantage Point has been exploring the development of a provincial network. That's something that we're actually looking to other provinces to learn how they've done that, like Ontario Nonprofit Network and Impact Organizations of Nova Scotia. So now BC is at a place, we've done a feasibility study, we have some buy-in, we have some support, and um, Prairie and her team will be uh, championing the development of this um, new provincial network in our province. So Prairie, I'm curious to hear from you, what do you see as the key opportunities for our sector to become stronger together? And where do you feel that opportunities might arise? Thank you, Zara. Um, Wow, there's so many opportunities. I think we could have a whole podcast about um, the this question. And I'm definitely very passionate about uh, provincial networks, having had some experience um, stewarding them um, in a public health uh, environment um, as well. So um, I think 
what I want to focus on is probably the real opportunity for our sector to strengthen our partnership with government. And I know, you know, we've already been really speaking to it throughout this podcast already. And Zara, you, you alluded to that more specifically earlier, but um, really given that nonprofits are really on the front lines of issues that are impacting um, British Columbians the most uh, today, such as affordability and the housing crises. Um, you know, Megan, you shared the stories of those two innovative uh, organizations earlier. Um, I, I really believe that this network will be in an effective way for different um, ministries and levels of, of government to better understand the role of nonprofits in the sector as a whole. Um, and that's so important. Um, alternately, um, I believe that the channels of communication uh, and support from government can really be strengthened um, through the structure of a provincial network. Um, you know, definitely, I hope, Megan, you'll you'll be pulled in maybe hopefully a little less uh, directions than you are being pulled now. Um, definitely, that's, you know, one of the, the hopefully the beneficial side effects of, of a more coordinated uh, communication and efforts uh, from, from the sector. Um, but really... Um, it's an opportunity also for the sector to roll up the stories that really move hearts and minds and remind us uh, of the reasons uh, we are so engaged so passionately in our work. That's uh, such an important uh, piece that often doesn't get to be focused on when you are working uh, in a nonprofit uh, on community front lines because you have so many needs that you're responding to and uh, there's so many uh, competing demands on your organization that um, that opportunity to uh, really be telling telling your story and making sure that um, story is heard um, uh, is is so important and we can't underestimate that. I really think that um, the BC Nonprofit Day Proclamation and the amazing investment of $60 million was such a wonderful recognition and celebration of the importance of the sector um, and, and that will continue to uh, the opportunity to build uh, increased visibility through uh, a network's collective efforts and communication. And um, so increased visibility um, has never been more uh, essential. I think, uh, you know, we have already touched on the, you know, early pandemic years um, already, but uh, often, as we all know, um, these organizations, nonprofit organizations were often the only ones in communities in a position to be able to pivot quickly enough to meet uh, community needs. And, you know, four years now later, you know, in this uh, quote unquote post pandemic time, you know, um, the sector is still the safety net of communities as they're facing sort of new emerging issues um, and crises. So um, yeah, I have a lot of hope for uh, what the network can do. And I'm really going to be um, looking forward to listening uh, deeply and learning uh, from all our community stakeholders and uh, this network. Yeah. Thank you so much, Perry. Between the two of you, I feel like I'm more excited now than I have. Uh, well, I definitely was when we started this conversation. So yeah, please keep all that energy coming and the ideas and just the tremendous hope and the potential of us um, being able to really move the dial in terms of the way that um nonprofit work is understood and, and sort of celebrated at the moment. Um, so shifting gears a tiny bit here, um, Megan, we know that there's an election coming up in October. 
What do you anticipate will be the future of your parliamentary secretary role? And um, what have you learned to be the value of the role? And also, what would you like to see in the future for home and government for nonprofits? Yeah, thank you for the question. Of course, elections always bring, um, you, you know, the, the challenge of the uh, electorate gets to decide what the outcome is. Um, and so in October, uh, we as a, as a government, obviously, um, we'll wait and see what the results of that are. And of course, uh, are looking forward to hopefully being back um, for another four-year term um, after the election. And come that time, um, you know, the Premier uh, will decide what the what the roles are and what cabinet will look like, what parliamentary secretary roles will look like. Of course, um, in in my conversations, I'm I'm always advocating for a continuation of of, of a parliamentary secretary role of um, a place in 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 government for um, a sort of dedicated um, um, member to to be overseeing this important and and, and complex and diverse. Um, uh, role and so I do hope that um, that we uh, that we see that um, uh, continue and um, that we're able to continue the the um, important work that uh, that we do um, really being a voice in government and um, I'm looking forward to sort of seeing what opportunities exist for 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 that role as as it evolves and changes. Amazing, Megan. And, you know, as we're talking about how nonprofits are strong and they are powerful and they do, um, you know, have have um, some sway, I guess. What advice or best, best practices would you give to nonprofits looking to advocate for their causes more effectively with government? And that may include um, advocating for a continuation of the parliamentary secretary role. But, you know, how, how can nonprofits go about advocating for whatever it is that they are passionate about and believe that is needed for community with government? And um, what are some ways that organizations can develop positive and effective long-term relationships with government. Absolutely. And I'm so, I'm so happy you, you're using the term relationships because I mean, especially in, in um, your organization's role, you know how important they are building relationships. Like we, we've gotten to know each other and, and I really appreciate the relationship we've built um, and, and have in wonderful conversations that we've had related to nonprofits. So I think that there's sort of two or three different things. I think working with um you know, as as a united voice, the way that that you're looking at um, providing information, the reports, the sector reports that you do, um, making sure that you have data, making sure that you have um, you know information put together that helps people like me in my role um, be able to look at it and understand what the state of the nonprofit sector is. That's one thing. There's the the you know education, and I know Prairie mentioned a little bit about ensuring that your story is really well told, um, that takes some coordination to put together information like that. So there's that sort of coordinated effort. And then in terms of individual nonprofits, it really is about relationships, sort of, um, you know, telling the story of the work that their nonprofits do, engaging um, folks in, in, in their community to um, raise awareness about the work that they're doing, building relationships with their MLAs building um, relationships with um, program administrators to to really ensure that there's a connection um, that allows um, your government to understand the important role um, that they play, either serving a vulnerable community or providing a service or 
whatever the work is, everybody's a piece of, of, of the community. And so working together, but at the same time, building relationships with people within your community are the two, I think, most important things you can do. Wonderful. Thank you so much, um, Megan. One of the things we just came out, Prairie and I just came out of a conversation talking about how we might be able to help um, nonprofits that might not have staff that are dedicated experts in public policy or government relations to learn some of the skills about how to even get an audience with elected officials and, you know, how to um, make a compelling point and understand even, I think one of the important points that I learned when I joined this role was about mandate letters. If we read your mandate letters and find out what it is that's important to you, then we can figure out what it is that we're doing that you might find compelling and interesting. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I really appreciate that. I think so much of it is relationship based and about getting to know what um, elected officials who are humans at the end of the day are looking for and is going to resonate and be relevant. Yeah. And, and what I've appreciated with our conversations, I know we're coming to the end of end of time, but one of the things I appreciate about our conversations is that often when you build relationships, when you look at a relationship, the conversation becomes about how we can support each other in our roles because both of our roles are important. Like as an elected official, I play one role, but you play a role mm-hmm. um, that, that is on the ground every day with people that, you know, are providing the service. Or if you're a nonprofit, say, that is working in a food security related um, nonprofit, you're on the ground and you understand maybe very specifically, for instance, what the people in Coquitlam need. Mm-hmm. You know, the people that in Coquitlam may, may not need the same thing as the people in Langley or Surrey, right? I mean, and, and that's, I think that, when we think about how we all play a piece and how we're supporting each other in our roles, mm-hmm. that's where you get that success and get stuff like proclamations and you get things like um, an understanding of, of the uh, complexities of, of that sector. And so I really appreciate how we all see how each other plays an important piece mm-hmm. in something. And I think that is just really, really a testament to the people that are in this sector you know, and the work you're doing. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. Thank you. Thank you so much, Megan, for your time. And, you know, in the spirit of relationship for letting us help the sector get to know you or help our listeners get to know you a little bit better. That's, I think, really uh, valuable. And hopefully some folks listening to this podcast will now feel even more comfortable reaching out to you to have a conversation and sharing what it is that they uh, want to about their organization or their community. So um, thank you so much for your time and for all of your insights and your sharing. Prairie, thank you so much for um, joining our team and, uh, and for making the time to be on this podcast today, like I said, on day 10 of your time with Vantage Point. I'm looking so forward to uh, building forward with you, uh, with you both, actually. So, uh, yeah, thank you for being here today and uh, looking forward to future conversations as we as we move from strength to strength. Thank you so much. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode on the work of Megan Dykeman, the Parliamentary Secretary of Community Development and Nonprofits, and how government and nonprofits are working together in British Columbia. We hope you also enjoyed meeting Vantage Point's new Director of Engagement and Advocacy, Prairie Chu. Thank you also again to our sponsor, Humanity Financial, for their continued support of these important conversations. We are excited to be building a BC nonprofit network and the development of our engagement and advocacy team that will help set us up for more impactful work together and with our government collaborators like P.S. Dykeman. 
We look forward to connecting with all of you at our BC Nonprofit Leadership Conference in June this year. That will be an opportunity for the sector to convene. Watch for ticket sales in the next coming weeks. We are also releasing the next State of the Sector survey, which was referenced in our podcast episode, to build data that can help tell our story as a sector. Please check your inboxes in early February for the survey link and help spread the word. We do have the opportunity to become a stronger sector together. Thank you.